0: Alright, no fridge. This is get, a little bit get, different. Get, Let's cut. Powerful. Life holds. It can't be used for good. And blessings can unfold. The power of destruction, another function. The power to rebuild, put in production. Words can make or break you. Words can shake and make you, confuse you, abuse you, lead you on the way. Words can do the chill you. Words can kill and kill you, hack you, sack you, throw your dreams away. Are you a gossip or a liar? Ready to offend and going down a fire? Fire? Are you a gossip or a liar? Don't talk behind your back just to come away, come on. Hey! Let me see your head! Every word you might say, I know I shouldn't throw back by or throw shade. But you know you're stolen right and you might have gotta fight. Keep them lips, keep them tight. Don't beat your appetite. Words, a letter on a letter on the string. Words, possession of the beggar and the king. Words, regarded as a complicated too. Words, obsession of the genius and the fool. Ooh, close, like, the phones, but words will never hurt. That's a lie, can't deny. You and I gotta try. Jesus Christ is the way. the tongue, hey, yo, this power in your word, hey, there's power in the tongue, yeah, there's power in your word.
1: Wasn't that fantastic? Seriously. I, I went to the back. I was standing back there when that thing started, and you should have seen all the people going. <laughs> it was, cracked me up. And then he's up here going like this, and a couple people go. <laughs> it was awesome. Thanks for rocking down, Northridge. Yeah. Yeah. If I was out there with you saw that thing, I would have been on iTunes trying to download that sucker. That was unbelievable. But know this, you won't find it on iTunes because our team wrote that. I mean, that was our gig. Uh, Our team, they took uh, the outline of the talk that I gave them a while back and they constructed that thing to be right in line with it and it, it was just powerful. And I... I am so grateful that God has given us such rich talent so that we could experience him through the arts like this. And I hope that you appreciate it too. And uh, it's awesome, fantastic. We are... We're in this series uh, called Jim, it's from the personal letter from a guy named James in the Bible, and if you've missed the talks, we give them away online. I hope that you go to northridgechurch.com and watch them on demand. Uh, the, this book's very, very impacting, but it's interesting, this week as we celebrate Mother's Day, it's a perfect entree into what Jim's speaking on this weekend to us, um, and as a result of that, I started thinking about all the sayings that my mom had when I was growing up. And you know, all of us had moms with some sayings, or not all of us had moms, but any of us who had a mom. They, I mean, they had sayings that that we, you know, they still haunt us and keep us awake at night now, right? I, I mean, you know, moms. And so I decided a lot of different sayings are out there that I probably don't know. So I, I read, I read through hundreds of sayings uh, of of moms. And what I did is I put together what I thought were probably the top ten. And most of us will know most of these, not all. And I, I thought it would be fun if we kind of played a game the 10 most famous mother sayings and I'm going to start them and then I'm going to ask you to finish them with me so we'll see how many know these sayings we'll see how dysfunctional our families were all right (laughs) so let's start with number 10 I brought you into this world (laughs) yes and we wonder why we're so messed up right exactly right. Sound like every single one of our moms said that. Now, number nine. It's not that I don't trust you. It's that I don't trust everyone else. Yeah. You know, my mom said that. And I knew immediately she was lying. <laughs> she never trusted me at all. It had nothing to do with other people. Number eight. There's enough dirt in those ears to grow potatoes. How many of you, your mom, really said that? Wow. I never heard that. I never heard that growing up. I wasn't raised in Taylor. (laughs) Did I I just say that out loud? (laughs) I was just... Just a thought. I don't know. I, I actually was born in Taylor. Uh, I wasn't raised there, um, but I was born there, so I can say stuff like that, I guess. Um, but I thought that was hilarious. Enough. Dirt in your ears to grow potatoes. Number seven: This hurts me. More than it hurts you. <laughs> Seriously. I'm sorry, I, I've since been a parent, and I know that's not true, you know. I, it didn't bother me at all, actually. <laughs> save me on counseling bills. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Number six, no child of mine would do something like that. No, okay, no child of mine would do something like that. You know, I, I actually grew up thinking I had to be someone else's child. Ah, uh, <laughs> Because I kept doing something like that over and over. So I knew I wasn't her child. And n- number five, don't make me... Oh, everybody said different things. All right. Wow. Uh, but what I had in mind was don't make me come in there. Don't make me come in there. It's funny. This is laughable in my family. My mom's like 5'1". I don't think she ever made 100 pounds, Right? I mean, don't make me come in there. I'd say, y- you're going to bounce off the door. You can't get in here. I'm not even sure you can reach the doorknob. You know, that kind of thing. Like, I'm, woo-hoo, scared of you. But anyway, that's, she said it. Number, number four, if I've told you once. Uh, yeah, in my mom's case, it was a million. Uh, number three, this is big. Wait. Until your father gets home. How come we have to be the bad guys, right? It's like you wait till your father gets home. He's gonna take out that belt with hooks on it. You know, really seriously. I mean, in our family, it didn't work this way. If my if my wife Roxanne, ever said, "Wait till your father gets home," my kids could go, home. "Thank God, it's gonna be Dad, not her." You know, it's like I was I was the softy, you know at least in my own mind i you know i don't know number 2 if you don't stop crying that's not good parenting i'm going to tell you that right now there's nothing wrong with the crying right i mean come on emotions okay i'll give you something to cry about yeah thank you jesus incarnate no that's not good you know and finally, number, number. who needs a talk when we can just have fun together, right? I was like, number one, if you can't say something nice, say Yeah. Yeah, we all heard that one. You know, if we're honest, you know, some of mom's sayings were borderline crazy, right? I mean, just borderline nuts. But often, they were right on. I mean, seriously, somehow they had these sayings. As much as they just made us churn within, they were right on. And this last one's a great example, I think. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. If I had followed that advice throughout my life, my relationships would have been a lot better. I would have left a little less devastation in my path, and and I might have built into people's lives just a little bit better. I wish I had. As it turns out, our moms got that last saying from God himself. In fact, it's what Jim writes about in this portion of his letter. Or this weekend's talk is Jim on speaking. And here's the truth that he really highlights. The tongue is small but powerful. I mean, the tongue, it's really quite small but powerful. Now, admittedly, we all have different size tongues, you know. There are some people with larger tongues and... And others with smaller tongues, you know, and, and our tongues do weird stuff, I'm telling you. I, uh, one of our granddaughters, <laughs> she can literally curl her tongue up and touch her nose. It's bizarre. <laughs> They're saving a lot of money on Kleenex, though. So, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty helpful. Um, But here's the thing, our tongues, I mean, they're small, different shapes, but they're small, but they're very powerful. Look what James says in chapter 3, verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts, it has great power. Proverbs 18, 21 agrees, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I think all of us have experienced both sides of that, probably, where someone said something so positive and encouraging that it's breathed life into us for a long time, but I know we've all been on the end of the destructive side, where people have said things that have brought real pain and and hurt within that lasts forever, and those who love it will eat its fruit. If we love the power of the tongue for good, we'll eat that fruit, but if we don't, then we'll experience the other And Jim really writes on this. He he talks about how the tongue is small but powerful. It has great power for destruction. It has great power for destruction. And look what he says beginning in verse 5 of chapter 3. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Whoa, it has great power to destroy. And I think this kind of shows a real problem because by nature, we tend to think in superficial terms about our speech, about our words. We we throw words out without much thought of, of all kinds we kind of think it's no big deal yeah I said those things but you know they know I didn't mean them and come on and you know but it really is a big deal we should think in terms of of our tongues ability to destroy and and it doesn't take much to get there because let me call it to mind for you can you remember something that was said that was harsh and so mean that even now maybe even decades later it, it still resides right there at the surface for you? Can you can you picture the face? Can you hear the tone? I can. See what we say has great power for destruction and we need to we need to remember that. But but Jim also goes to the positive side. He says it also has a great power for for good. And, and he highlights this in, I think, one of the most profound ways in verse 9. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. Is there anything more good that we can do with our mouth than praise God, than lift up his name, declare his love and his majesty? No, there's really not. And, and when we do the same with each other and we praise each other and encourage each other and express gratitude and appreciation to each other, it's the same thing. It's got such power for good. And Paul highlights both sides. In Ephesians 4.29, he says, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, the stuff that destroys, but, but only let what is helpful for building others up according to their needs come out of your mouth so that it can benefit those who listen. I mean, it's got great power for destruction. It's got great power for good. But before we get too far into this, I think it's important that we remind ourselves that when he's talking about the way we use our tongue, he's talking about any... Means by which we communicate our mind and heart to the mind and heart of other people, any means that we use. And I think we forget this, especially here in the 21st century, where we've got this this wonderfully, seemingly anonymous form of communication called social media. It is weird. Some of the kindest, most... Wonderful people to be with in person become these hostile gangsters of social media. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, they're spewing poison. Who is this person? That's who they really are. They've learned to mask themselves in public and put on the image and perception, but if they're speaking it on Twitter or Snapchat or Facebook, I'm telling you this right now, that's what fills their heart. And that's what Jim's getting at. We need to understand that any way we communicate what's in our mind and heart is a declaration of who we are, and that's what we have to realize has power to destroy or power for good. The the tongue is small but very powerful. It reveals a lot about us. Did you know that that a doctor can actually look at our physical tongue and know a great deal about our general physical health? It's odd, isn't it? But it's true. This is why they grab it. They, they have no sense of feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my tongue can't touch my nose, and my doctor's had it wrapped around my head a couple of times before, you know, checking for my health. But it's like they, they can really tell a lot about our health. Well, Jim is saying the same is true spiritually. The tongue tells the truth about what's really going on inside of us, who we really are inside of the images we've created, and how we really feel about life and each other. And so the application that I believe Jim is trying to get us to weave into the fabric of our lives is the fact that if we want to experience life as God designed it to be, if we want to be healthy in our lives, then we have to learn to harness the power of the tongue for good It's got power for great evil, and we've certainly used it that way and experienced it that way, but we've got to harness the power of the tongue for good. Look at how Jim writes it to us. Starting with verse 2 of chapter 3, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check, to which many of you on this Mother's Day are going, yeah, those men... When it says, he is a perfect man, able to keep body in check, if anyone's never fault in what he says, perfect man, this is talking to all of us, you know that, right? It's talking about humankind, mankind, all of us have this problem. And then it says, Let me compare it to a horse. Let me compare it to a ship so that maybe you can get a bigger picture of it. If I disconnect it from you, he's saying, and paint it with another picture, maybe you'll understand. And so look what he says. He goes, when we put a bit into the mouth of a horse to make the horse obey us, we can actually turn the whole animal. I mean, that little thing can control the whole animal. Take a ship as an example. He says, although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot wants to go, that big, powerful ship goes. And then, Jim says, likewise, the tongue. Now get the picture. Horses and ships are powerful, yet they can be totally controlled by very small things. That little bit, that little rudder. Yet, think about those things. If left to themselves, what does a horse do? It runs wild. Left to itself, what does a ship do? It runs wild. And when running wild, it can be... Unbelievably destructive. But when properly controlled, uh, uh, a horse can be one of the most beautiful creatures on the planet when it runs. And unbelievable! It can be unbelievably productive in its life because it's being controlled. The same thing with a ship. You can accomplish great and positive things. But then Jim says, likewise, the tongue. Left to itself... The tongue runs wild and is destructive, but when properly controlled, it can accomplish great good. So here's the good news he's communicating with us. It can be controlled. There really is hope for us to use it for good instead of evil. So let's, let's jump into what Jim says, what it takes to harness the power of the tongue for good. What does it take? Well, first thing he tells us is if we're going to really harness the tongue and use it for good, then we have to understand its nature. We have to understand the nature of the tongue, what it's really like. And then he explains it to us pretty quickly. He says, first of all, you need to know in spite of all the stuff you might be reading from Bard & Noble or from, you know, online, you, you, you just got to understand, it's humanly uncontrollable. It's humanly uncontrollable. No human being can control their tongue. Look at how God says it in James 3, 7. This is the nature. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are, are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. Horses can't control themselves, they need a rider. Ships can't control themselves, they need a pilot. And what Jim's telling us is we can't control our own tongue. Only God can do that. And if we don't understand we need God in control of our tongue, we will always use it for destruction. It will never become the powerful force for good that it needs to become. And then he tells us there's another thing about its nature you need to understand, it's, it's often forked <laughs> You know. The snake's tongue? I got this from his language, actually, because when he said the tongue's like a deadly poison, it kind of, doesn't it bring the serpent thing to, to mind? And, and, and he's describing the tongue as being forked. Look at how he says it in verses 9 and 10. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. We're praising God and ripping each other apart? That, that's not right. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers, this should not be. And so the nature of the tongue, we can't control it and, and it's kind of forked. And, and this is all of us, you know. All of us have said powerfully positive things and all of us have said powerfully destructive things. It's just the nature of the tongue. And, and then he, he tells us why. He tells us if you're really going to harness the power of your tongue, you need to understand that it's directed by the heart. It's directed by the heart. What we say with our mouth comes from the insides of who we are. James 3, verses 11 and 12. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And as you know, they, they come from within to out, whether it's a salt spring or a fresh spring. It says, my brothers, let me give you another illustration. Can a fig tree bear olives? No, it bears figs because that's what it is on the inside. Can a grapevine bear figs? No, because what it is on the inside is a grapevine. It's going to bear grapes. And then it says, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water because if you've got salt filling you within, then you're not going to bring freshness without. You, You know what he's saying. What's on the inside of us is what ultimately flows out of our mouths. It's directed by the heart. And the truth is, when we say mean and hurtful things, we we often cover up and say, oh, that's not who I really am. You know, it's the image that you know of me, that's who I really am, but that's not true. The image isn't who they really are, it's what's coming up in those moments of anger. That's what's really going on in there. It's directed by the heart. That's how we really know each other. Jesus said it. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Chapter 15, verse 18, he says it again. And the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. This explains a, a lot for me. My mouth can, can really get away from me. I mean, I, I'm not even going to ask you to acknowledge this, you know, because some of you will raise your hands, others won't, and the ones who don't, they're lying, so I'm not going to do that to you. Um, <laughs> But I mean, this really is big for me. My mouth can get away from me. And it's, it's always a sign that my heart's in the wrong place when my mouth gets away from me. In fact, it's a sign that my heart's getting away from me. Better said, it's, it's a sign that my heart's getting away from God. And it's interesting because weird stuff can get my heart to the wrong place and to get my mouth saying the wrong things. Weird stuff. I don't know if this works for you. I mean, these things shouldn't move my heart to to the wrong place, but they, they do often. Here's the first one. Can any of you relate to that? Serious business. I mean, when I'm hungry and stuff's going on, hell. I mean, my... I, I've actually had... Um, Staff members push food across the table at the meeting room, and when it's bad enough, they, like, get a 10-foot stick to push it, you know, because hunger can move my heart to where my mouth gets really intense. And then there's another thing that can move my heart, anger. Something happens that just Johnson in anger, and then my mouth says things that it would never say when I was trying to manufacture the right image. And... And, you know, for me, these things often come together. It's called hanger, right? I'm hangry, right? All right? And then there's another one that can move my heart to where I misplace it, and it's loneliness. Loneliness. When you feel like no one's there for you, no one cares about you, you're all alone in the world, and can it kind of disrupt your heart and start getting you bitter and another one can do it for me tired being tired man when I'm I'm tired I can I lose control this is why I believe Jesus made coffee actually um but (laughs) but so I I I can often have hanger I can have languor. I can have tanger man I'm (laughs) I'm I'm messed up in about every way (laughs) but but my point is it's a reflection of the heart it's really a hard issue, but hunger uh, uh, takes away the controls I've placed on my heart, and weariness can take away the controls I've placed on my heart, and, and loneliness can do the same thing. And I would bet that's true of you, too. It just gives us indication of where we are. And I love this acrostic, because it says halt. Right? H-A-L-T. Halt. So when I start expressing intensity and everything, I start having to go, Halt. Halt. Oh, it sounds very German, doesn't it? Reminds me of Hogan's Heroes. I don't know. That's a... I'm 84 years old, obviously. But here's the thing. So we have to understand the nature, the nature of the tongue, but that's not enough. Then, then we have to focus on the issues of the heart because it comes from the heart, Jim tells us. And so we have to focus on the issues of the heart. And I've kind of broken this apart biblically so that we could get this thing. We, If we're, gonna, if we're going to overcome the destructive nature of our, our words, then we have to, we have to get the right heart. We need the right heart. We need it. We have to get it. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure on its own, where we've got messed up hearts, all of us, and it shows in our words. To Psalm fifty one ten. even David, the man of God, understood it. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He's saying, God, I need you to give me a new heart. And Second Corinthians five seventeen, you know, this is why Jesus came, right? To to give us a new heart because our old one is so broken. He died on the cross to take away the guilt and the shame of our of our heart, and and He rose again to give us a new one. Look at Second Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. And so, if if we're going to fix the mouth and harness it for good, then we have to get the right heart. Have you experienced Jesus giving you the right heart? But it doesn't stop there. If we're going to if we're going to ultimately use our our words for the power of good, then then we need the right input. We need to start filling our minds and hearts with the right things because the truth is that that our mouth is an expression of what's flowing out of our hearts and minds. What's, what's flowing out of our hearts and minds is stuff that's been flowing into it, and very often it's the bad stuff. It's all the miserable stuff. Did you know when, when a person gets a heart transplant physically, you know, a brand new heart, did, they still have to totally change their lives. Did you know that first thing the doctors say is, you, you have to change what you eat. You have to change what you take into your body, and you have to change how you manage your sleep and your stress and your activity. That You have to change all of this. Well, the same is true when we get a new heart from Jesus. We have, to, we have to change what we take in, because the truth is all the bad stuff that comes out of our mouths is emanating from all the bad stuff that we've been processing all these years, and do you know what the great input that God's given us that can totally cleanse the old, and make us new is, it's his word. I mean, look at Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me an an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. You might not know this, but this this is a prophecy in the time. It was hundreds of years before Jesus was born, but it's describing what his life would be like when he walked on this planet, and he's saying, when I'm there... I will have the right word at the right time in every situation. He is the perfect man who always controlled his tongue. In fact, there were times he didn't speak. He knew when not to use a word and when to use a word, and he always did it properly. And how did he do that? Because every day he had an instructed tongue. The Father woke him morning by morning so that he could Fill him with the right input. We need God's word filling us because if God's word's filling my mind and heart, it's going to come out instead of all the other junk. Psalm 119, verse 9 How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Do you know when we talk about the importance of reading the Bible, we're not giving you one more religious obligation. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. It's not about religious obligation. We're saying if you can start pouring in God's truth into your life, it will literally cleanse you from the junk that you normally get, and it will start changing what's in your heart and mind and what flows out of your mouth. It's transformative. Because very often, the angry, hurtful responses that come from from our mouths are simply authored by the experiences that we've had with others attacking us in the past. Those negative things that have been said to us tend to fill our hearts and ultimately come out of our mouths. But when we have the right input, it can totally change our responses. I mean totally change our responses. When we're getting all the right input, when someone speaks harsh language to us, harsh words to us, instead of responding in kind, we can realize that their mouth is simply speaking the pain of their own lives and and we should care about them instead of attacking them, right? But that only comes when we have the right input. And it would also help us to care about all of those who have suffered from the wounds of our words in the past where we would realize there are people out there who are struggling because of what we've done and and we should want to come back around and and restore that relationship and get them to forgive us or at least seek their forgiveness for these things because it's then that we can we can move beyond it. So so we need a new heart, we need the right input, but then we need the right leader. I mean, we need the right leader if we're going to really harness the power of our tongue. We have to realize like Jim told us, the bit in the horse's mouth and the rudder on the ship are worthless without the right person controlling them, right? The reins of the the bit have to be in the hands of the right person on the horse, and the same thing with the captain of a ship. Without the right person controlling them, they're destructive. Well, the same is true with the tongue. Do you realize that God is the only one that can control our tongue? Only God can. James 3.8, no man can tame the tongue. No man can, but God can. Look at Psalm 141, verses 3 and 4. This is what the psalmist has "Set A guard over my mouth. I mean, God, <laughs> put some big guards over my mouth. And keep watch over the door of my lips. Don't, don't let that door open in the wrong way. And then he gets to the heart of the matter. He says, let not my heart be drawn to what is evil. Do, do, you, know, do you know what the psalmist is doing here, right? He's saying, God, I, I can't do it. My heart gets overwhelmed by evil and my my mouth just does such damage to my spouse or to my kids or to my parents or to my friends to my employees to my employer and so i need you to i need you to take the reins of my life and i need you to take the helm of my life and i need you to control my tongue we need the right leader but we need to make jesus the the lord of our lives we need to give him control of our mouths and then james gives us one more principle for harnessing the tongue we need to understand its nature we we need then to focus on the issues of the heart yes but then we need to we need to literally remember what he tells us in james 3 1 Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach, who use our words to influence the outcomes in others' lives, we will be judged more strictly. You know what he's saying there, right? Every word we use and how it influences another person's life will be judged. Whoa. I, I, I often just throw words out. But what he's telling me is that, no, we're being held accountable for our words. In fact, this is the last principle. We must always remember our accountability to God. We must always remember our accountability to God. It's a huge issue. Look at how Jesus said it in, in Matthew twelve thirty six. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment. And get this one. For every careless word they have spoken... Every careless word they've spoken they're going to be judged for. No, not they. We. Every careless word. Doesn't that scare the heebie-jeebies out of you? I don't even know what those things are, but I want them out of me. You know, I mean, that's just junk. We need to remember our words have eternal consequence. They're not throwaway. It's kind of a discouraging, even defeating thought when you've said so many things that aren't appropriate. And I know you're, you could be sitting here going, oh my gosh, I'm in serious trouble. But the good news is that God has given us some ways that we can move past what we've spoken and rise above the careless, destructive words that we've used in the past. You know what the first thing he's given us is? We can rise above our past if we experience forgiveness. We have to experience forgiveness. Yeah, but he says, you're going to be held account on the day of judgment for every careless word you've spoken. Yes, you are. Every careless word I've spoken is going to be judged. But, you know, the question is, will it be judged when I stand before him or will it be judged... On the cross. Do you realize when Jesus died on the cross, he was dying in our place for our sin? And so the judgment of our sin was on him. And if I allow him to forgive me, the judgment is complete for that. And now I can get past that and rise above that, and so can you. I don't have to be held hostage to it. Have you experienced forgiveness? You need to step into that. And some of you go, oh yeah, I've been forgiven in the past. I'm a a follower. Yeah, but are you being forgiven now? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and this is to believers to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. We need to constantly be experiencing forgiveness because otherwise our words will be defeating. So we have to experience forgiveness. Before I go any further, and there's, couple of key principles. These are really important. I'm going to ask you to, to stick around, but, but before we do, I, I, want, I want to pray with you. So would you, here in Plymouth, just bow with me in a word of prayer, and those of you at our regional campuses, bow in prayer, and if you're watching online, I'd encourage you to join us too. And if you're in a place where you're carrying the guilt or the shame or the memory of these words that you've spoken or been spoken to you, I'm going to encourage you to give them to Jesus. Experience forgiveness. In fact, take my words, make them yours. Just say, Jesus, I I believe when you died on that cross, you died in judgment for my sin. And so I confess my sin, the things I've done, the words I've spoken, and I give them to you. And I'm trusting you to forgive me. And I'm receiving the power of the new life of your resurrection. Give me that new heart so that I might live a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just before I give you these last couple of principles, if you prayed with me, please let us know. I mean, I don't want to make a big thing out of this, but we've put together a letter of next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. We just need to know you prayed with me. And so if you did, take out that program that we hand you. It's got Jim on the front, and on the inside is this little connection card. It's so easy to take out and just fill it out, would you? And check off one of the two boxes at the bottom. Maybe this is the first time you've received God's forgiveness, or maybe you've just renewed your relationship with God. Either way, check one of those, and then put it in the boxes as you're leaving, and we'll send you some information, and trust that you'll just keep growing in your relationship with God. But there's another thing we can do. I mean, Instead of being defeated by our past words, we can rise above and move beyond them. If we circle back to restore our relationships with others. You know, our words break relationships, and we need to circle back and restore those relationships. The Bible says if we're worshiping God and remember someone has a problem with us, we should get up from worship and go and fix that problem, restore that relationship, and then come back and worship because as long as we allow for broken relationships here that we haven't tried to fix to exist, this relationship will be clouded with God. And so I just really want to encourage you, one of the ways to get past Words spoken in the past is by circling around and asking forgiveness for them. Their response, we want it to be positive, but it won't always be, but it's about you releasing the issue. You doing right about it. In fact, I, I I believe many of us have in our mind right now a relationship that was wounded by our words. And I just really want to encourage you, you need to circle around and fix that. Maybe you have a phone call you could make in your car when you leave here this weekend. And maybe you could craft an email or a text or you could have coffee at a local coffee shop with this person that you've hurt and, and circle back and do it. And if you do this, i, I love to know the impact of God's word. I, if you do, I, I, let me know what happens. I would love to know what happens. Brad Powell at northridgechurch.com it's not hard to get an email to me you can do it on my Facebook page you know write a comment you can do whatever but I'd love to know um, what happens and finally there's one last way God gives us that we can move beyond um, destructive words yeah we have to experience forgiveness and we have to restore relationships but there's one last way and I I couldn't think of any better way to say it than this avoid saying stupid stuff. I mean, just avoid saying the stupid stuff in the first place. Because if you avoid saying stupid stuff, then you don't have to get forgiveness for it, and you don't have to go around and make restoration for it. I mean, just avoid it in the first place. The fact is that that we can now use our tongue for good I've, I've heard people, oh, I'm sorry, it's just my teacher. I can't help myself. I just say what I think. I just say it just comes out. It just comes out. Stop it. Here's what, it is no longer a valid excuse that you can't control your tongue because you can't control your tongue, but Jesus can. And in your hands exists the ability to put the reins of your life in Jesus' hands. And if you don't, that's your problem, and you need to fix it because we don't have to say stupid stuff anymore. We don't have to let dumb things like hunger and anger and loneliness and being weary destroy relationships anymore because he can control our tongue. And if we put the reins of our life, the, the helm of our life, into his hands, our tongue will be used for good that's a big deal. Here's what I know. If you give ownership of your heart and mind to Jesus, he will control your tongue. And that's the step. We can harness the power of the tongue for good when we choose the right heart, the right input, and the right leader. So now, so now, maybe for one of the first times, maybe as a Mother's Day gift even, we should start trying to live mom's advice. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And imagine how the world would change. If you're wrestling with some issues, friends... We have a prayer team up here. You can come and you can meet with them as we close the service, the same at all of our regional campuses. But more than anything, my prayer is that we will give him the reins of our life and as a result, he'll use our tongue to build a different world. Thanks for being here. Happy Mother's Day.